had to get all that out of me. Now I'm ready. Let's go for week nine of a series we're calling Help Me. And this message today, I'm already telling you, I already got part two. No question about it. Why am I pacing? Because this is how some of y'all going to be walking after this message. Because today I want us to go a step further in this series that will help bring balance to this entire message. Everybody say balance. Uh huh. See, because we've been in a series called Crazy Faith. And Crazy Faith, if you haven't written down the definition yet, I want you to take this down. Crazy Faith are only thoughts and actions. They lack reason, but it's us trusting fully and what we cannot explicitly prove. Like there are people in here that are stepping out in faith to do things that nobody in their family has ever done. Nobody has told them this is what you're supposed to do. They're trusting what God has said and placed on the inside of them. And they somehow stepping out sometimes not being sure. But that's what faith really is. It's stepping out on a word of God, not being able to prove that it's actually going to happen. What you need to do is exhibit, is examine exhibit A. What you're sitting in right now is a product of everybody say faith. Nobody thought this was possible, but God did. And he was looking for somebody who would, everybody say, believe. And so this series has set off a chain of events in people's lives. And people are out here doing a lot of crazy faith stuff. Now, the thing about crazy faith stuff is if it doesn't come from God, it's just crazy. The thing about crazy faith is if it does not come from God, it's just crazy. And there's too many people out here saying crazy faith, but they haven't spent time in the presence of God. And you're putting God's name on something that he did not co-sign. And and, and today I need to bring balance to this because I think some of us are moving in in a rhythm that is more ambitious than anointed. It's more of us, yeah, I knew I was supposed to be great, so I'm about to take out this loan, and I'm about to move my kids here, and I'm about to divorce my wife. That No. That's not crazy faith. That's just... And today I'm going to help you delineate between what's crazy faith and what's just crazy. Because because the, the line is kind of blurry if you're not spending time in the presence of God. The line kind of gets like, I don't even know where this is. Well, let's just try. He said 51% faith, so I'm just out here. I don't know. No, no, stop. Because you need to know that your life is more valuable than making flippant decisions. That your children can be affected by you just doing things without the wisdom of God. And so today I want to look at a story in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5. Now, we've come to church today. And and the book that we read um, is called the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God. Help me finish. The B-I-B-L-E. All those people been in church for a long time. They taught us that in children's church. It didn't really help us. Okay, here we go. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 13. And the reason I say that is because I'm going to read a large portion of scripture. And I want to do something today. I want to call this interactive Bible reading time. Okay? And, 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 and so we're going to try something new today. 
Could y'all just stand up for the reading of the word today? Just like, just stand up right now. I, I just want you, because it's, you know, a lot of people say a lot of things right here is to honor the word and all this. This is just a lot of scripture. I don't want you to fall asleep, okay? That's my actual e- reason. And um, what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have a few portions of scripture underlined. And I want you to say those out loud with me, okay? Can y'all help me with that? 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5. It says, now, now let me help somebody because I know this is some people's first time in church. In this story I'm about to give you, I go into my holy imagination, there's two characters. There's a guy named Saul, which is our main character. And in my mind, Saul looks something like this. Um, He's kind of like a handsome man, a a man that um, actually, you know what I'm saying, looks the part of a king and and is able to to, to make um, a statement with what he's doing. If you have that picture of Saul, could you put it up on the screen for me right now? And and, and then there's another guy named Samuel. And Samuel is a prophet. Samuel is a prophet that that, um, hears the word of the Lord. That's Saul in my mind right now, kind of a Brad Pitt, like he looks the part, he's the king, okay? And then then there's um, Samuel, and Samuel, I need somebody kind of old and somebody who's like wise and looks like very um, stately. Uh, Y'all know Morgan Freeman been old for 90 years, like... And in my mind, these are our two main characters. There's Saul, who's the king, and there's Samuel, who appointed him to be king. And I like to do this just so people can get an understanding. Now let's read the scripture with with Saul and Samuel in mind, okay? It's at verse 5. Then the Philistines mustered up a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. They camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. The men of Israel saw, help me, what a tight spot they were in. Has anybody in this room ever been in a tight spot? Okay, cool, cool, cool. And because they were, help me, hard pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul, Brad Pitt, stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Remember what the opposite of faith is. It's fear. They were trembling with fear. Saul waited there for seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier. So he got instructions of what he was supposed to do, and he waited, but Samuel still didn't come. So Saul, Brad Pitt, realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. It's crazy how you probably shouldn't make decisions when you're in a season of loss. Because it can impair your, your, your judgment. It said he saw the people slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Woo! Just as Saul was finished with the burnt offering, then Morgan Freeman arrived. Saul went out to meet him and he said, hey, what's up? And Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Migmash ready to battle. So I said to the Philistines and the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal. And I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How many things have you done before God came? 
many relationships did you get in before God came? How many houses have you taken out loans on before God came? I'm in your business, right? How many cars did y'all drive up here today? And you called it a blessing in one season, but it was actually a curse because you couldn't pay the payments. And it was before God came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not command, kept the commands of the Lord your God gave you. Had you have kept it, had you have waited on God, have you would, would have had just a little more patience, the Lord would, establish, would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people, walks in David, because you have not kept the Lord's command. I want you to turn to four people and tell them the title of my message, Hasty Faith. Yeah, just tell them Hasty Faith. Hasty Faith, and you can be seated in this building. Now, some of you are like, Hasty Faith? What is that? Like, I, I, I felt that it was important for me to bring balance to this entire series because some of y'all have heard baby faith and maybe faith and all these other faiths, and what you're doing is you're moving too quick. Y'all out here just doing stuff. And, 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 and people are moving at a pace that God's not moving at. And so I want to give you the de definition of hasty right now. Hasty means acting too quickly, overly eager, or impatient. And what I found out is that some of our faith is not lazy. Some of our faith is hasty. If we think God says something, if we think that's our husband, uh huh. If we think that's our house, and what happens when you are at a starting line and they haven't said go yet, and you cross the line before it's time? How many runners do I have in the building? Okay, when when, when you get down in the blocks. And it's about time. You're going to run. You're going to go. But when you're down there and there has not been clearance to move yet. And you begin to run full force. You have a false start and you get disqualified. And I want to help some people in this room who are trying to figure out with all the energy you have in faith why nothing is working. It's because the race hasn't started yet and you're running on the track. God has not told you this is the time or the season for this thing, but you heard a word from God and so now you're going to make it happen. And I just came to tell you maybe you're being too hasty. Maybe you're being too quick in the things that God has said is going to happen. He appointed Saul as the first king of Israel. He was going to rule. He was going to win the victory, but he moved too fast. Write down point number one. Hasty faith can cost you forever. Like you moving too fast can cost you forever. I feel like squints on the sandlot. Forever. Forever. Some of y'all will get it later. But um, it, it, it literally can cost you forever. Look at it. 1 Samuel 13, 13. He said, had you have kept the commands of the Lord, you would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. 
want to leave you with this, this, this thought. If the enemy can't get in front of you and stop you, he'll get behind you and push you. And there's people in this room that you've been waiting for God so long that, that, that you need to have your faith spark. But there's so many other people in here who are ready to do something and the enemy's like, yeah, go ahead, start that business. Go ahead, take that second job. Go ahead, do that thing because he know you'll never be able to have the time to enjoy the blessing, to be who God's created you to be, to develop on yourself. If you're so busy that you cannot be able to allow God to speak to you in the midst of everything that's going on. Some y'all hasty and I know that hasn't been something that somebody's described you as you know that's Sally she's just so hasty but your pastor is coming to you today and telling some people maybe it's too quick maybe you haven't been patient enough maybe you have not allowed God to say go at the moment you heard the word you just started running and I think about this because if Saul would have kept this one piece of patience in his life. He would have been the king and an heir forever. Now, I think some of y'all missed what actually happened. Samuel, Morgan Freeman, told Saul, wait here for me for seven days. We're going to come offer um, a sacrifice to God together, and then you're going to win every victory from here on out. The seventh day came, and at the moment the seventh day came, he saw people leaving. He saw what people were saying. He saw people walking away from him. And so he didn't want to wait anymore. Let me give you a tip right now. Just because people are leaving does not mean that you need to start moving. Some of us are such people pleasers in this room. At the time people start going away from us and saying he different now or they've changed, then we try to start getting active to help people understand. No, 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 no. But I'm telling you, if Saul would have just stayed put, the Bible tells us that right after Saul finished offering up the sacrifice, Samuel came. He couldn't wait 10 minutes and it cost him his entire, <laughs> it cost him his entire legacy because of 10 minutes of impatience. Can I help you with something else? That there were 22 more kings that would rule in Israel that were not connected to Saul because of this one mistake. <laughs> Let me read some of their names. Because Saul messed up, we get David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram. I can't say all of these names. Could you please put on the screen all 22 of the people who God had to find because one man didn't wait? Who else is God going to have to find because you wouldn't wait? Not one of these people are a descendant of Saul because he wanted to do it. Everybody say himself. He was hasty. He wouldn't get advice. He wouldn't be submitted. He wouldn't ask anybody. He wouldn't say, would you pray with me about this? He wouldn't submit it to anybody in authority. And what he did was he forfeited everything that God had for him because he was too hasty. 
when I look at this entire movement that God is allowing us to really bring forth in this moment, I don't want anybody to lose anything because they've been frivolous with their faith. You've just been believing for things that God said, that ain't, that ain't me. I ain't nowhere in that. You want that. I want this. You want them. I want you. <laughs> you want it. I have all you need. And the haste to begin to go for promotions. The reason you didn't get the promotion is because that's not even your job. But the way that you're supposed to go is backwards and it doesn't look right. But God has something over here for you. But you're so hasty to get into stuff so much. And the enemy's plan is for you to get so deep that you don't see how you can get out of it. And this is how many people live their life stuck. Stuck in between what they know God has told them to do. And then trying to make it happen themselves. God told Saul, I would win this victory for you. I would have done this, but you got to everybody say, wait on me. Okay, so let me help you. I found out the reason why Saul felt like this. And we find it in verse 6. I want you to go back up. Because so many of us are committed to our preference. And we're not committed to God's purpose. And until we become committed to God's purpose. We will move trying to make what God says will happen in one season. We'll move too fast trying to make it happen. But this is what happened to them in verse 6. It says the men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in. Can we be honest? If you've been in a tight spot at any moment in this year, raise your hand right now, a tight spot, financially, in your marriage, at your job, okay, that's almost everybody that's watching, okay, and it says, and because they were hard pressed by the enemy, they tried to do things their own way, let me help you, the enemy only has one play in your life, I'm about to expose him right now, write this down, he tries to hard press you when you're already in a tight spot. This is his only play. Like your marriage is in a tight spot. And that's when the enemy comes in with suggestion. And the girlfriend from high school that you ain't talked to in 22 years, she hits you with the DM. Your marriage is struggling. That's the tight spot. But then the girlfriend that comes that you ain't never talked to ever before, and she hits you with the DM. How you been, Billy? That's when the enemy comes to hard press when you're in a tight spot. Uh, your money's already funny and you that that's the tight spot but then your best friend has his bachelor party in las vegas and you have a gambling problem so you've already been in a tight spot but then the enemy comes to hard press you and put you into a scenario that you can't win, win in it's like some men in this room right now tight spot just trying to live pure clink clink just trying to keep it together, not trying to sow all my wild oats and be fruitful and multiply. Do you hear what I'm saying? Just trying to live pure. And then the enemy come in and hard press you. And then they pass a law in Oklahoma that women, God's beautiful creation, can walk around with all their stuff to sell. He hard pressing. Some men going to be walking around like Stevie Wonder, just like, I don't see nothing. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't even know. Ouch, ouch. I don't know. What I'm telling you is this is the enemy's only play to when you're in a tight spot, he wants to hard press you. 
When you already got a negative doctor report, then the tire goes bad. When you already got a kid that you're trying to work through, the other one gets addicted to some type of drug. It's when you're in a tight spot, he comes to hard press you. And what happens is that pressure makes people be hasty. It makes people move too quickly. This is what happened to him. They were in a tight spot and they were hard pressed. And so they started just making decisions that did not consult the plan of God. And I'm telling you that there are people in here that I'm not going to get many amens today, but you are literally in the situation you're in right now because it started getting hard. And then the enemy came in to throw a little extra pressure on that thing. And then you just start doing stuff. Some of y'all are in contracts right now at houses and apartments that you knew you weren't even supposed to be living in that place another six months. But then it started coming down to the deadline and you got in a tight spot and the enemy hard pressed you and you just start doing things. Some of y'all right now are married to people that when you saw that you turned 30 and you didn't have nobody that you were in a tight I'm, I'm in your business right now you were in a tight spot and then the enemy tried to hard press you on your birthday that oh, ain't nobody ever gonna want you after this you won't be able to have no kids and so you stepped into a relationship gave pieces of yourself away that nobody was supposed to experience except that person that God had actually had for you but you started doing things because you were in a tight spot and you listened to the suggestion of the enemy when he tried to press hard and I know it because I can see it on your face a lot of us don't talk about our hasty decisions because we hope they just all work out we start quoting Romans 8 all things all things are working they all working look at it they all working for the good of those that love them. I love you Lord but a lot of times we would never have to quote that scripture if we consulted with God before we did. Uh, let me stop. If we would consult with him and make sure it was him before it happened, we wouldn't have to quote that. Somebody say hasty faith. All I'm telling you right now, point number two, write it down. Hasty faith is provoked by pressure. You start moving out of character. You start moving into things you're not supposed to when you feel pressure. And the crazy thing about life is you always, as long as you are on this earth, will feel pressure. Like there's no segment of life that's pressure free. God literally tells us that in this world, you're gonna have trouble. <laughs> but take heart, I've already overcome the world. So how do you respond in times of pressure? See, you either respond in hasty faith by prematurely moving or you respond in crazy faith by believing what God said, waiting on him, trusting him and stepping out at the right time. And so many of us right now are sitting here trying to figure out our life, trying to figure out our scenario, trying to figure out our relationships, just like Saul and even Jesus had to. See, Jesus was was not exempt from the enemy's same pressure. So when he was in a tight spot, the enemy came to add pressure. You don't believe me? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says this right after he got baptized, right after the Holy Spirit came and descended on him like a dove, right after it was like, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. After God literally cracks the sky and talks to you in front of people, you would think life gets easier. But look at what happens right after that. It says, then Jesus was led.
by the Spirit. Who was he led by? This is about to mess some of your theology up right here. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You thought your wilderness was the devil. But what happens when the Holy Spirit leads you into a wilderness? And he says, why did he lead him there? To spend more time and to get him filled up and, and, and to be able to allow his face to shine upon him. Look what he said. That's what I would have thought if I wrote the Bible. It said that, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. What? Why would God let me be led by him into a wilderness season to be tempted by the devil. Why would God let me get into college not to graduate and then have to work this job where they don't even care about who I am and then he say I'm marked. Why would God let me try to have children and be infertile for so many years that my spouse left me because they really wanted kids and then told me that I was still worth it. See, these are the same situations because a lot of times when we're following God, we get led into wildernesses where it seems like he's deserted us. But he's not put you in isolation, he's put you in separation. See, the process of being anointed, the process of being different cannot happen in front of everybody who does not want to go through that same process. And what we're trying to do is hold on to everybody and everything while God's trying to make us. And so many times before we walk into the promised land, he takes us to the wilderness. Y'all see how quiet it is in here today? I'm going to help you. And what he does is he takes Jesus into the wilderness, a tight spot. Everybody say tight spot. Okay, so it would be enough if he was just in there by himself. But here come the devil to add pressure to it. He was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a tight spot. When your lips is ashy, when, when, you, when you ain't ate nothing and sand is looking good. You hear what I'm saying? He, he was fasting and he became very hungry. During that time, why couldn't it happen when I was eating? Why couldn't it happen while my money was right? Why couldn't it have happened in a different, come on, has anybody ever asked, why is this happening now? Like already I'm in a tight spot, why is it happening now? He said when he was already in a tight spot, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Remember he was hungry. And what he was trying to do is get him to perform miracles hastily. Stay with me. He had the power to do it. This is the same God that's going to take two fish and five loaves and feed 25,000 people. That ability was in him now, but it was not yet time. And so what the enemy tried to do was tempt him with his own ability. Like some of y'all have the ability to go get in a relationship, but it's not yet time. You have the ability to go ahead, uh, y'all don't hear me, and to start that thing, but it's not yet time. And the first thing he said to Jesus is, aren't you hungry? Don't you want to be successful? You don't want to 
to stay lonely, do you? Shouldn't people know your name? And he tried to get him to move out of his spot to earth. 